Listen, if today's your first time, we've never had a house on stage, and uh, you can go ahead and turn the lights on, uh, unless something's about to happen that I'm not aware of, all right? There's a house on stage today. Uh, it's because Hazard uh, High School's doing a drama here. Uh, their play's next weekend, and so if there's a house on stage, you can bet at least one of us is going to go through one of those doors. Uh, in full confession, uh, we were all running around this whole thing today earlier, and we were, I was thinking about walking through that door and walking down the steps, but I did that once, and the whole set started to shake, and I thought I was about to see Jesus, and so I said, nope, not today. So, um, so hey man, if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible, I want you to open it to 1 John, okay? So go ahead and open it up to the book of 1 John, that's going to be towards the back of your Bible, I mean, a uh, safe bet, if you don't know where that is, you can use the table of contents one. Or you can turn to the book of Revelation and just go back a little bit, all right? So there's Jude in front of Revelation, then 3 John, 2 John, boom, 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, if today is your very first time, we, uh, we are in a series called Multiply. Now, we're going to finish this series next week. Next week is, like we said, Easter Sunday. And so I want to say something really quick before we launch into our sermon this morning. Um, next Sunday is, uh, is almost the Super Bowl of churches because it's Easter, okay? It's a big day for churches. And here's the deal that we always say, and it's always true. People will come to church next week that do not care what we're doing today, period, okay? They just absolutely will. And so unashamedly, Every single year, and I'm about to do it right now, unashamedly, we tell people and we tell our church, invite to church next Sunday anything that's breathing, okay? Anything with a pulse, invite them, bring them with you. Call them up and say, hey, do you want to go to Walmart? And then pull into the forum. I thought we were going to Walmart. We'll go to Walmart after church. And you can take that up with them, but get them to the forum. In fact, let's do this. Go ahead right now, if you will, if you would, Go ahead and grab your phone right now, okay? I know a lot of times in church they tell you put your phone up, but I'm telling you get your phone out right now, okay? Go ahead and get your phone out, and you can open it up to whatever social media uh, you use. Uh, I don't think we did this on Snapchat, but um, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of those three, go ahead and open it up. And, and what we have done while uh, the worship was going on this morning, we tweeted and put out on Instagram and Facebook uh, an invite to church next Sunday, and, and I, would incur, I would love for everybody with a phone right now, if you would, to grab that and share it. You might even want to tag some friends, but if you do, we want you to use this hashtag. Use the hashtag, hashtag SCC, sit with me, okay? So we're just going to invite people and invite, invite, invite. I am telling you that if you invite people in your school, not everybody, but some of them, a lot of them, I think, will come. If you invite people in your neighborhood where you work to church next Sunday, not everybody, but a lot of people will come. Let's pack out the forum next week, okay? So instead of maybe bringing, try to, trying to bring one or two people from your team, bring the whole team. Instead of a few people from your office, bring the whole office, all right? Let's absolutely fill up the forum next Sunday to celebrate that Jesus is alive, okay? And so Easter Sunday is going to be a big deal. We love Easter, praying hard, for it. And so, man, uh, so go ahead and share that on social media. Spread the word, word of mouth. Bring people to church next Sunday. So that's next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to finish up our Multiply series in the book of Revelation. But today, we are in First, Second, and Third John. And specifically, we're going to look at, focus on First John. 
Okay? So 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were written by the Apostle John, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John and the same John that next week is going to write the book of Revelation. 2nd John is all about, it's just a few verses. There's not even chapters. It's just a few verses dealing with false teaching in the church. And then 3rd John is all about Christian hospitality, uh, Christians being hospitable towards outsiders and people in the church. But today we're going to focus on 1st John. And the reason we're going to do that is because 1 John is one of the most important books in the Bible. I mean, have you, ever, uh, have you ever kind of shied away from the Bible because you didn't understand it? You know, I, 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 listen, I don't read the Bible a lot. I hear this all the time. I don't read the Bible a lot or I don't read it much because I have a hard time understanding it. Anybody ever heard that or you said that? Raise your hand. Uh, a lot of hands should go. No, 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 nothing wrong with that. It can be intimidating sometimes. You don't know what it's about. Well, John kind of cuts out the middleman and tells you exactly what this book is about. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, John tells us what this is about. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So the book of 1 John is, is all about knowing that you're saved. But here's my question. What do you do when you don't know. So the book of 1 John is all about knowing whether or not you're saved. What do you do when you don't know? I remember when I was in Bible college, I went to a Bible college in Lexington for a few years. Uh, it was called Lexington Bible College. And I uh, went to a Bible college in Lexington for just a few years. And when I say a few years, it was because that Bible college actually shut down and merged with another college in Louisville. They tell me that I didn't have anything to do with that. I don't know. Um, but uh, I remember there was a guy that, that I went to college with in Lexington. And, and, and he was from Ohio, really nice guy. But he always struggled with whether or not he was saved. And it wasn't like something every once in a while he would say, hey, you know what, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. Now, this was something that would weigh on him heavily. I mean, it's no joke when I say that this guy would sit in our dorm room, my, my dorm mate and I, my roommate, he would sit in our room and literally there would be times where he would stay up in our room all night crying and begging to know whether or not he really knew God. He, 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 he would talk about it in class and ask professors questions. He would talk about it at lunch. He, he always struggled with whether or not he was really saved. And I'll tell you what happened to that guy. I, don't know, I haven't talked to him in several years. I don't uh, know where he's at now. But I'll tell you what happened. Eventually, he dropped out of Bible college. And I mean, the, that Bible college was specifically for people who are going to go into vocational ministry. And that guy just dropped out because he didn't know how to handle his doubt. What do you do when you don't know? When, when you don't know if you're saved, when you don't know if God is real, what do you do when you don't know if you're forgiven for all of your sins? What if you, what if you don't know if you've got a relationship with God? What do you do with your doubts? Well, well, I want you to know a couple of things. And one thing that we see, and we've already seen it, the purpose of First John, I want you to know this morning, if you've never thought about this before, Summit, I want you to know that God wants you to know whether or not you're saved. Okay, it does not glorify God for you and I to walk around with, filled with confusion and doubt and fear and uncertainty all the time about whether or not we're going to go to heaven. It doesn't glorify God if I walk around all the time and I'm scared to death whether or not I know him. A couple of weeks ago, my daughter Chloe, she's five, she won a fish 
at uh, the East Perry Literacy Night. She, she put her name in a hat to try to win the fish, and they drew her name the very next day. She busts through the door. She says, Dad, guess what? I want a fish. And she's got this goldfish in her hand. And I look at her, and I say, Chloe, that's so awesome. And inside I say this, that fish is dead. That fish is dead. Because here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. I have a strong track record of accidentally killing every pet our family has ever owned. I need a pet that you can look at me and say, Mark, I'm hungry. What do you got? That's the kind of pet that I need. And I, and I, and I haven't like set out to do it on purpose, especially fish. Especially fish. I have a, listen, if you ever need somebody like, like pet set for your fish and you ask me to do it, I will kill your fish. Okay? Just on accident, that fish that she won lived four days. Four days, okay? And as soon as I saw that that fish was dead, I went to Walmart and immediately bought another fish. Okay, now it looks totally different than this fish. Um, but but, but, she, but I, I said, Chloe, your fish died. And she went, ah! And then she said, I got you. And then I said, I got you a new one. She's like, oh, that's awesome. So it was, I don't know if it was really traumatic. Um, but it must have been really traumatic for Chloe because every, ever since we got this new fish, I promise you, every day when she come home, comes home from school, every morning when she wakes up, she says, Dad, is my fish alive? In other words, Dad, have you killed this one yet? Okay, right? Because she's just afraid that it's, that it's going to die. She, it, she's just filled with fear about whether or not her fish is okay. Listen, God doesn't want you to walk around filled with fear all the time whether or not you know him. God wants you to know that you know him. But another thing that we need to know is that everybody has doubts. Amen? Everybody has doubts, guys. You, you shouldn't look at anybody and think, oh, man, that person is always on fire for Jesus. I, listen, listen to me. Eventually, everybody loses what I like to call the Jesus high, okay? For, for a period of time. Might be for a dry season, but everybody goes through dry seasons, right? Everybody loses the Jesus high. I, I spent a lot of years doing youth ministry, and we went to camps, and we went to mission trips, and there's just something about taking a group of teenagers on a trip where they get really sleep-deprived that on the last night, they all want to hold hands and sing Friends are Friends Forever and then say, we will never fall away from Jesus, and we're going to change the world. And then 24 hours later, our church has to bail them all out of jail again, and they're calling me saying, Mark, what happened to the feeling that I had around the campfire? Everybody doubts. Everybody doubts, but when you doubt, what do you do? I think that John would say four things very quickly. Four things that you and I need to do when we doubt. So if you're taking notes or you've got our app open where you can always take notes, here's the first thing. First thing we need to do with our doubts is we need to remind ourselves, remind yourself that feelings don't change facts. Feelings don't change facts. Look at 1 John chapter 1. Let's read the first couple of verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we've seen and heard and proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we're writing these things so that your joy, our joy rather, may be complete. Did you see over and over in those first four verses, John says this, we heard Jesus with our ears. We, we saw him with our eyes. We touched Jesus Christ with our hands, man. I mean, we were, we were with him. We ate meals with him. We, we spent time and we talked to and we touched Jesus. Why does he do that? 
Here's why. Never forget this. Write this down if you need to. It's because God wants us to know Christianity isn't a fairy tale. Christianity is true. Christianity is true. See, here's how the world thinks, and here's how, unfortunately, a lot of people in the church think. A lot of people think, I feel this, therefore it's true. Or, I don't feel this, therefore it's false. Are you, do you know what I mean? Or, or, this happened to me, therefore it's true. And what's happened to a lot of Christians is, is we've based our whole assurance on whether or not we feel saved. Right? Oh, well, I'm lost. But why? Because I don't feel it. Oh, well, I know I'm saved because at church today, I got goosebumps. See, the world says, if I feel it, it must be true. Here's the way that the Bible says it. The Bible says this, Jesus is real, period. That 2,000 years ago, there was a historic man named Jesus who actually lived in Nazareth, was actually crucified on a cross, on a hill in Jerusalem, and three days later, we'll celebrate it next week, three days later, he really did come back from the dead. You might not feel anything about that. That might not get you excited at all, and it doesn't matter. Why? Because it's true. And whether you feel anything about it or not does, not does not impact at all the fact that it happened. See, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I think it's going to be up here on the screen. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. There it is kind of cut off. I love this. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I love that verse because here's what that means. Listen, listen, listen. It doesn't matter if the resurrection gives you warm, fuzzy feelings. If Jesus is still in a tomb in Jerusalem, we are lying to ourselves, right? If it didn't really happen, it doesn't matter what it means to you because it's a lie. But if it did really happen, then the world needs to stop because there's never been a more important event in history than what Jesus did, right? And... and, And see, what we need to do, what John is wanting us to do, what God is wanting us to do here, God wants us to walk by faith in the facts of what Jesus did, not in our feelings. Don't walk by feelings. Walk by faith in the facts of what Jesus did. You say, Mark, what do you mean? Okay, here's what I mean. Fact, in John 6, 37, Jesus says, all who come to me, I will never cast out. Have you ever went to Jesus for salvation? Have you ever seen Jesus and said, without him, I don't have anything. I need him more than air that I breathe, more than food. I need Jesus. Well, then then Jesus Christ says he's never going to turn you away. That is a fact. It's a fact that on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. What's finished? Everything necessary for your salvation. Doesn't matter if you feel it or not, your feelings can't add to or take away what he did. It is finished. Here's another fact. Here's another fact. 1 John 1, 9, I love this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive me for all of it. I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel like God has cleansed me. It doesn't matter. If I go to him for forgiveness, he will forgive. Why? Because he said it. Do you see that? Not, not faith in how I feel, faith in my facts. And I'm telling you that in the face of doubt, if you will worship God based off of what he said, watch how that changes how you feel. So first thing you got to do with your doubt, man, you got to remind yourself that your feelings don't change facts. Second thing, here's a question to ask yourself. Ask yourself, what direction am I going? What direction am I going? So when the devil puts in your head, hey, do you really think you're a Christian? 
Real Christian wouldn't think that way. Real Christian wouldn't do that. Are you really saved? Ask yourself, what direction am I going? Look at verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him, Jesus, and proclaimed to you, the church, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk, everybody say walk, walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we, say it with me, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. I, I have three kids, I have three kids in, and, and I remember what it was like when my kids were learning how to walk. You know, none of my kids went from crawling to the very next day they were just rocking through the house. Hello, Father, how are you today? I'm great. Listen, if that happened, I would still be in counseling, okay? Right? That didn't happen. When my kids were learning how to walk, they did the same thing that we all did. What they do? They took a step, they took a step, and then they fell. And, and, and then maybe a day or two or a couple of days later, they'd take two steps, and they would all of a sudden, you know, fall, right? It, it wasn't a neat process. Listen to me. Write this down. Never forget it. God is not looking for perfection, but he's looking for progress. See, the Christian life is a walk. The Christian life is a walk. Walking sometimes can be messy, right? Walking some, sometimes, sometimes you can stumble. Sometimes you can trip and fall. You ever know somebody's just clumsy, right? They can trip over gravity. You know what I mean? Walking, walking sometimes can be, can be clumsy. You can trip and fall. See, the Christian life is a walk. God's not interested in perfection. He's interested in progress. And the reason that I know that is because in verse 7, that's exactly what he says. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God. Listen, listen. Here's the thing you need to know about walking. Walking can be slow, right? Man, listen. If you're, if you're a new Christian, would you hear me? Would you hear this next thing I'm about to say? If you're here and you're a brand new Christian, I need you to know that this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christian thing, listen to this, it's going to be slower than you think that it will. It's going to be slower than you think it will. See, sanctification is the theological word for, for the process of being made more and more like Jesus. That is a slow process. Amen? Listen, God's going to finish what he started in your life, but he ain't in a hurry. Right? Some people say, Mark, I can't believe that I still struggle with the same stuff that I struggle with. I can't believe that I still think the way that I think. Mark, I can't believe this is still in my life. Listen to me, listen to me. If you're a brand new Christian, you need to know that there are things in your life right now that 20 years from now, you're still going to see there. And maybe, hopefully, by God's grace, you've taken some steps out of it, but the flesh is still going to be there. There's still going to be that struggle with sin. But what, but what you need to do is you need to look and say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I see progress. Right? I see progress. So what direction are you going? You know, so can you look at your life and say, you know what? This time last year, I wasn't where I am now. Man, man, we went through this trial this past year, and I didn't abandon my faith. My faith went deeper. Man, I love people now more than I did last year. I'm, I'm bolder with my faith now than I was last year. What direction are you going in? Well, Mark, I'm not really going in any direction, but I gave my life to Jesus when I was four. Well, then you need to check if you really gave your life to Jesus. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Why? Because when you meet Jesus, you know what you're going to begin to do? Walk. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You're going to begin to walk. So that begs the question, are you moving at all? Are you moving? A lot of us, man, we just come into the, and we come into the church like this, and are we serving? 
Are we using the spiritual gifts that God's given us, or are we just looking to hear a sermon and looking for the band to be good? Are we becoming more generous so that we get closer to Jesus and all of a sudden we want to give more, we want to serve more? Are we wanting to be a part of the body of Christ? Are we building a prayer life? Am I seeking God in his word? See, see, following Jesus is going to be a walk, but are you going in a new direction? And man, listen, if you can look at your life and say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but by God's grace, I see progress within praise God that is God at work in your life. Here's number three. Number three, what do you do when those dry seasons are with your doubt? Here's number three. Confess any sin in your life. Confess any sin in your life. Verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. We confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Confess any sin in your life. Listen, church, one of the clearest evidences that we've met Jesus is we want to get sin out of our lives. Man, if I've met Jesus, I should want to walk more in the light and less in the dark. Do you know what I mean? Listen, the Christian life is a walk, so there's going to be times when you stumble. There's going to be times when you fall. But if Jesus is in you, the Holy Spirit inside of you is not going to let you live comfortably in that sin. Eventually, he's going to lead you to get up, say, God, forgive me, and you're going to keep moving forward, man. Right? See, too many times I'm afraid we do this. Too many times I'm afraid that we, that we so emphasize our struggles that that's all we do and we, all we think about and all we focus on is how we're struggling. But listen, do you know what a struggle is? Do you know what a struggle is? A struggle is a fight, right? I mean, when you're watching wrestling, you know, and those two guys come together and they're, they're grabbing hold of each other. They're trying to get some leverage one over the other. They're, trying to, they're, they're struggling and one's trying to get victory and to grab the other one. Some of us are talking about how we're struggling with sin. But listen to me, if I give in to temptation every time I'm tempted, I'm not struggling. Do you understand that? If every time I want to look at something on a computer, I look at it, I'm not struggling with it. Hello? Did I just lose you? If every time my friends call and I know that if I go there, I'm going to feel like dirt because I'm going to do something that I probably should never do and God doesn't want me to do it and my parents don't want me to do it and really I don't want anybody to know I'm going to do it. But you know what? I'm going to go because i got nothing else to do on a Friday night. I did it last weekend and you know what? I'm still alive. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. If I'm, if I'm doing that every single time, I'm not really struggling with what my friends are tempting me with. I'm doing it anyway. If every time, if every single time Somebody does something to me I don't like, and I get on Facebook, and I have to give everybody a piece of my mind. And I'm testy all the time, and people have to walk on eggshells around me. I'm not struggling with anger. I'm an angry person. Right? Man, one time, man, why am I going through this dry season? It might be because you're holding on to sin in your life. You got to walk away from that. You got to confess that confess any sin, any sin. Listen, this church has a billboard that says no perfect people allowed, but that is not a license to sin. It is okay in this church to not be okay, but it is not okay to stay that way. Right? But let's just imagine, man, let's imagine 
that you remind yourself that feelings don't change facts. You look at your life and say, man, I'm going in a different direction. You confess every single sin that you can think of in your life, and you're still going through a dry season. You're still struggling with doubt. What do you do then? What do you do then? I think John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, and to paraphrase it, we'll quote, we'll quote the great prophet Steve Perry when he said, don't stop believing. All right? Chapter 4, verse 15, you just clapped because I made a journey reference. Praise the Lord. All right? All right. Come back next week, and for Easter Sunday, we'll all talk about Leonard Skinner. It'll be great. 415, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is God, you're doing that because you've got a relationship with God. See, that word confession, it doesn't mean, hey, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Boom, that's it. Just wait to go to heaven. You know, you don't have to love him. You don't have to live for him. As long as you say Jesus is Lord, that's your ticket, bro, out of hell into heaven. That's not what John means. When John uses this word confession, this word confession that John is using in this verse, it's a confession like you are drowning in the ocean. You are about to take your last breath, and somebody throws you a life preserver, and you grab hold of that thing because you know to let it go, you are going to die. That's what John means when he says to confess Jesus is Lord. To confess Jesus is the bread of life. To confess that Jesus is the living water. It means that you've you've looked around and you have seen that nothing compares to who he is. And that more than anything you need him. And just like that life preserver, you grab hold of Jesus and you say, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to love you. I want you to be glorified in my life. More than anything, I want you. And God says, if that's your heart, that's your heart because I have changed your heart. Do you see that? That's your heart because God has brought you from death to life. That's your heart because God poured his grace out on you. So don't stop believing what? Don't stop believing the gospel. You need to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Here is the gospel. The gospel is simply this. His work in my place. His work in my place. His obedience in the place of my, of my disobedience. His perfect love for God in the, in the place of my imperfect love for God. Jesus' position at the right hand of the Father right now in my place so that where Jesus is, one day I will be with him. His work in my place. And you believe that. And you preach that. And you sing that. And you declare it over yourself. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday at lunch, at all times, in all places. Why? So that you can find your rest in the gospel. Right? So here's how we're going to end. Here's how we're going to end. Let's end with two things. Number one, are you saved? Are you, sa- are you really a Christian? I mean, do you know that you know that you know that if you died right now, the next thing you see is Jesus Christ. Do you know that would happen to you? Check yourself right now. That is so different than do you believe in God? That is not me saying, do you go to church? That is not me saying, are you a good person? That's not me asking you, do your parents believe in God? That's not me asking you if your, grand, if your granddad was ever a deacon. I'm asking you, Have you been brought from death to life? Have the facts of what Jesus has done so radically reoriented your life? You are going in a different direction, man. 
All of a sudden, stuff that was boring and pointless to you is alive to you. Man, you used to not care about the Bible at all, and now you can't get enough of it. You used to think church was crazy, and now you want to be here every time the doors are open. You used to, well, you used to think this whole Jesus thing was just a myth, and now you can't live without him. Mark, that doesn't sound like me. Mark, I think I did something when I was real little, and I, and I enjoy this, but I don't think that I'm, I don't think that what you're talking about is anything that I've ever experienced. Mark, I'm not safe. If today you are not a Christian, I want you to know there is absolutely nothing stopping, nothing stopping you from today going to Jesus and the facts of what he did radically changing your life. And so today you can begin to go in a different direction. Today you can be set free from your past, set free from your shame. Today you can leave knowing, knowing that you belong to God and that you are his son and that you are his daughter. Say, Mark, what do I got to do? I want to tell you this. This is why it's good news. It was all done for you. You just receive it. You just receive it, man. How do I receive it? You receive it by praying and asking Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I want you to be my Lord. And from this moment on, I'm going to live for you. Man, if you do that today for the very first time, the Holy Spirit of God will flood your heart, change your life, and you won't be perfect, but you will never be the same. Other question is this. You're sitting there and saying, Mark, I'm saved, man. I know I'm saved. I never really struggle with doubt or anything like that. Well, here's my question. What are you doing with the salvation that you have? What are you doing with it? Can I, can I just urge you one thing to do with it this week, maybe? Can I urge you one thing to do with the salvation that you have? Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. Imagine this scenario, and then we're done. Imagine this, imagine this, imagine this. Imagine that you go to Walmart this afternoon and you cut down the toilet paper aisle and there's Brad Pitt at the Hazard Walmart. And I don't know why Brad Pitt would be at the Hazard Walmart. I didn't think this illustration through that much. I just thought it would be funny if Brad Pitt was at the Hazard Walmart. But imagine you went to Walmart, boom, there was Brad Pitt. How many of you would tell people you saw Brad Pitt at Walmart? Raise your hand. Everybody not raising your hand is a liar who needs Jesus. You would tell people. Here's what you would do. You would pull out your phone because you wouldn't want to bother Brad Pitt. Now, some of you would harass Brad Pitt. Like the cops would have to be called. But here's what a lot of you would do. You would pull out your phone and you would try to take that casual selfie where Brad Pitt is clearly here, but you're like, that's what you would do. You, it would be on Snapchat. It would be on Facebook. It would be on Twitter. Everybody would know that Brad Pitt was at Walmart because you would tell them, wouldn't you? You say, Mark, 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 but Jesus is different than Brad Pitt. I know. I know Jesus is different than Brad Pitt. Jesus has set you free. Jesus died for you. Jesus came back to life for you. I can guarantee, listen to me, I promise you, if you are saved, I promise you, no one is saved so that we can go to church for an hour and wait and die and go to heaven. I promise you, you have not been saved for that. You were saved 
for more. You were saved first and foremost to know God and to love God and to be changed by God. But right after that, number two, you were saved to join God's mission of telling the world that Jesus saves. I want to challenge you. If you've been saved, tell somebody. This week, Easter, tell somebody. Step out. Lean into the fear and watch what God does. Watch God give you the words and watch God use you. But tell somebody about it. Don't keep it in. Let it out. Because the world needs to know that Jesus is real and Jesus saves. Let's pray. God, I love... This is one of the reasons, God, there's so many reasons that I really do love the Bible, but one of the reasons that I love the Bible is just how honest it is. I love that the Bible is so honest that it says if Jesus wasn't a real historic person and if he isn't alive right now, then none of this matters. I love it. I love that the Bible is relentless in taking our faith and rooting it in the facts of what Jesus did, not how I feel. I love that the gospel is not how's Mark on Monday morning. I'm so thankful that the gospel is not how good is the sermon. I am so thankful. We are so thankful that the gospel is not trying to be good and earning our way to heaven. I am so thankful that the gospel is Jesus in our place. And I am so thankful that, Father, you do not want us to go through this life filled with doubt, fear, and confusion, whether or not we know you. God, your will for our lives is assurance. And we can have assurance because of the facts of what Jesus done has done for us. We can have assurance as we look at our lives and say, you know what, I'm making progress. I'm not where I was, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I am making progress. God is at work in my life. We can, we can know that we're yours because Jesus, you always change the relationship status with sin in our lives. We're going to want to confess it. Yes, we're going to mess up. We're going to stumble. But when we do, your Holy Spirit is going to convict us and bring us to a point of repentance. And Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that at all times the gospel is enough and that the gospel is true. And so, Father, I pray for every person in here today that we would just have a moment of honesty. Do we really know God? Do we know him? We've been changed by him. And if so, let's tell somebody. Let, let's tell the world that Jesus saves. But, but if the answer is, is Jesus, we need, to, we need to give our lives to you. We need to be saved. And I pray that, that nothing will get in the way of that today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to ask those two questions today. I just want to ask those two questions. And I'm going to reverse the order. If you're here today and if you are a Christian, Jesus has saved you. Not so, that we could li- not so that we could listen to services like what we just heard. Jesus has saved us so that we can live for him, period. How many of you who are here who are followers of Jesus would say, Mark, there's somebody in my life, there's somebody in my school where I work, there's somebody in my family. I need to tell them that Jesus saves. I need to tell them what he's done in my life. Would you pray for me right now? Raise your hand for that person right now. Raise your hand for them right now. See, I got somebody in my life like that. Hands are going up all over, all over, all over, all over. Hands are going up. Hands are going up all over this room. Father, I just pray for every hand that's up because every hand represents a person outside of a relationship with you that doesn't know you. And Jesus, these hands 
lifted by people who claim to know you, who do know you, who do have a relationship with you, that, that, that what you've done is radically reoriented their whole life. And so God, I pray we wouldn't keep it in. I pray we'd tell people that this week we would tell, and not just this week, but the week after. And, and, and Jesus, we wouldn't be ashamed to put it on Facebook, and we wouldn't be ashamed to talk about it on social media. We wouldn't be ashamed that when everybody else is talking about how the president is their hope and money is their hope, that we would humbly say Jesus is ours. Jesus is our hope. Our second question for the morning, our last one is, is, are you saved? Do you know God? I'm not trying to condemn anybody and make anybody feel bad. That's just the question that God asked from this passage today. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now in this moment, you can give him your heart, you can give him your life, and you can begin a relationship with him. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He made you. He's got a purpose for your life. And today, he wants to save you and he wants to change you. So if you're here today and you say, Mark, I need Jesus in my life. I need to be saved. I want him to be my Lord. If that's you today, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me, but only pray this prayer. This this is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Fast ticket to heaven. This is a prayer that says, I want to live for Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I am done doing this on my own. I need him. So if that's you today, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I need you today. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven for my sin. I need your love in my life. I'm done living for small, empty things. I give my life to you right now. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Change me, Jesus. Help me to love you and live for you. Thank you for everything that you've done for me and everything that you will do. In your name, amen. No one is looking around, no eyes are open or anything like that. But if you just prayed that prayer, I would love to celebrate with you and I'm gonna count to three. And as soon as I count to three, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand in the air to say, Mark, today, today I am beginning a relationship with God. Today I've asked Jesus to save me. Don't let anything stop you from raising your hand or making that decision today if that's the decision you need to make. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you've made that decision, I'd love to see you raise your hand so we can celebrate with you today. One, two, three. Just put your hand high in the air today. Mark, Mark, today I gave my life to Christ for the very first time. Mark, today I need to be saved. If that's you, put your hand high. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you that Jesus saves. And I thank you that, God, you want us to know that we're yours. And so, Father, I pray that as we leave here today, I pray that, God, you would fill us with assurance, fill us with faith that it is finished for us. And, God, if there's one person leaving today and they don't know you, God, I pray that they would not be able to rest tonight, God. That question wouldn't be able to to come out of their head until they settle it with you and they know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's thank God for today. Let's praise God for everything that he's done. Hey, hey, 
really quick, if you are here, your first or second time guest, please go out there to the welcome table. We've got a free gift for you. And guys, next week is Easter. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Now, Friday night's our egg hunt, so everybody be there. Spread the word about it on social media and with your friends. See you Friday night, 6.30 at Perry County Park, and then Easter Sunday morning. You guys are dismissed. God bless you guys. Love you.